Hey guys. Wait. Hi. You're, I'm so Hi. used to I'm so used to you starting this thing. Oh fine. I you start it. Uh, Katie was like, oh hey guys. Hey guys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that <YouTube> sounded channel. <laughs> I'm a YouTuber now. That did not sound like me at all. So let's let's <laughs> This is the, the bad intro. Okay. Welcome to my TikTok. My name is Kate. I'm <laughs> you guys. Hey, you guys. This is how I do my cat eye makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Rosé All Day Anyway. This Anyways. Wait, how does the new song go? Rosé, Rosé. Anyways. Anyways. There we go. Anyways. Anyways. With Erica Atkins and... Katie Rainey. We have guests today. We have guests. Quarantine fun guest. We promised and we delivered. So we are super happy that they're joining us from their respective quarantine cells. In, where in, is everybody right now? Can everybody? Can we all say our names and where we currently are located? Well, we have. Let me. Well, let me just say we have with us today Chelsea Asher and Maher Manda of many, many things in the literary community and the teaching world, and of their own reading series called an Angry Reading Series here in our lovely nook of Harlem. But yeah, let's let's say our names and where we are right now. So I'm in Harlem. My name is Erica, and I am in Harlem, specifically Hamilton Heights. Sugar Hill. <laughs> My name is Chelsea, and I'm in the what they call the epicenter of the epicenter. I am in Elmhurst, Jackson Heights uh, in New York City. And hi, I'm Meher. I am in a very cold and wet Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, you fled the city, Meher. Yeah, but I haven't written a why I left New York essay. So okay, who's well, the greater person here? All right, we won't we won't get mad at you then because you haven't written. Oh my God, there's so many. And then somebody wrote that Guardian essay on all hating on all the why I left New York essays. It's getting pretty meta. Yeah, it's it's reaching a bunch of levels to a point where I say don't have an opinion on some things. Yeah, let's just <laughs> let's just hold ourselves back. Yeah. Well, Chelsea and Maher are experts on all things anger. I'm officially, I'm saying that. You guys are the anger experts. Do you like that? Are we not anger experts? We're... I'm admittedly not. We're, I don't, I, we're not experts. We're, what would we call anger? Our hobbies? I'm not good at <laughs> We're being, anger hobbyists. You know that. I'm not good at being angry. Like, whenever I, like, I am angry for, like, a second, and then I'm like... Oh, that feels terrible in my body. Let me work my way through that because I don't want to feel that ever again. Like that's how I feel about anger. Yeah, you vomit it out real quick. Yeah, I do. I get like a good vomit. I write a ten-page letter to someone, and then I'm like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> but I think in that way, aren't we all like? I mean, we're all anger experts, and that we're all extremely good at it in in one way or another because it just comes so naturally to all of us, right? Like, I don't think that there's a such thing as someone who's like bad at being angry. I think it's more about like figuring out the way to express it that is best for you and those around you, right? 
not to be I, genderish, but I feel like I don't know if I would apply that to men. Oh no, true. No, I mean men are men just suck at everything. So <laughs> that's that's the name of this podcast. Yeah, that's uh, the the subtitle of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of feelings on this and some things that I just thought of. But first, we're all in different places. But do we all, have, Maher? Do you have rosé? What are you drinking? I don't drink rosé. I'm sorry. This is oh. very off brand. I was hoping it wouldn't come up. Oh, but it's I do up. have. <laughs> I do have a darker cousin. All right, let's just throw some ice cubes in that and and a red. Yeah, <laughs> we'll call it sangria. <laughs> we all talk about what we're drinking, and it's called Wine Time with Erica Atkins. Woo! So I today am drinking a rosé. This name I don't remember. That I got. Um, I'll remember it in a minute. I just don't want to go get the bottle right now. And I got it from. I joined a wine membership with a company I don't remember, so I'm doing a great job. I think it's called Wineco, maybe, Um, and they send me like four bottles a month. Now, I joined it during the quarantine because I just need the alcohol, and it's a sweet rosé. It's very sweet. Like, I want to have it with the dessert, and it's not so so sweet that it's gross, but it's got like really like a fruity, sweet vibe to it, and... I'm sure it was made in 2018, and I'll go get the name later. All right. What else is everybody else drinking? Chelsea, what are you drinking? Oh, Meher, go ahead. That's okay. Chelsea, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Take it away. (laughs) Well, guys, so this is a pretty sultry number. It's got some pretty sweet notes here. A really nice bite to it right at the end. Um, I don't remember the name. I I actually really wanted to get this brand (laughs) called Poppy. That was in my store. There was like this really enormous bottle. Um, but then I didn't get that one and I got a different one. I can't remember the name of, but it's, it's delicious. So I made the right choice. <laughs> this is why we don't get sponsorship. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Poppy might sponsor you now. <laughs> I am drinking, it's called Tres Antique. It's a rosé. And I have to shout out the app that Erica got me onto, Bottled Harlem. Is that what it's called? Bottled Harlem? I'm on a different app now. I I know you're in the wine club now, but I was using... I'm also on Drizzly, too. That you can get licked like a lot. Yeah, but they're they're like three-day wait and double Mm -hmm. the prices. I did. Last I checked. I got my alcohol, like, I ordered it at night. I got it by noon the next day. Well, let me tell you, last night, Bottled Harlem, I was on a game night with some friends, and I was like, oh, shoot, I should get some rosé for tomorrow. And I tried to schedule it for today, not realizing that I didn't schedule it for today. They delivered it at midnight last night. I was like, oh, hey, you're here already. So props to them. They just, like, within 30 minutes of me ordering, too. That was pretty cool. Anyway. I feel like you're gonna get a sp- I feel like you're gonna get a sponsorship from Bottled Harlem. I, I hope so. am having a Toscana from 2014, which is a red. It's made with organic grapes. <laughs> organic. Mahara, when you're drinking it, what do you want to eat? A chocolate cake. <laughs> no, more like an edible. My hair has been baking a lot. With. <laughs> THC oil. <laughs> I won't tell anyone. 
I'm jealous. I would do that more, but I'm tutoring kids in ELA during the day. So that would <laughs> probably end up in a really awkward position where I just forget everything I'm like my whole life basically. No, it's a really nice, like it doesn't make me unproductive. Like I can get stuff done, but it just like really eases me out and it really gives me a nice. We're talking about rosé, not anything else right now. <laughs> Well, we're trying to get you sponsorship, you know, so. What are we going to get, a weed sponsorship now? Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by the guy down the block. I do believe that, like, our neighborhood, there's just, like, one dude. Like, I don't do it, but a lot of other people do. And what I noticed is that everybody would be like, oh, here's my guy. And he'd be like, oh, that's my guy. Like, everyone in our neighborhood has Are you talking guy. about the guy on 150th? Who sits That's in the a guy lawn chair next to C-Town. Right? Yeah. Shout yeah. out to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy's the best. <laughs> Let's get a sponsor. <laughs> There's just like one guy, I guess, every neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, if you're in Sugar Hill, he's on the corner of 150th and Broadway right next to the C-Town sitting in a lawn chair. He's for sure not going to sponsor you now. He's going to be like, <laughs> you rat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, um, hey, I'm uh, helping business. Yeah, I was walking down the street with a former friend, and he saw the person and was like, "Oh, wait, hold on, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go by really quick." Like, it's he's the guy, he's the neighborhood guy. Did you say swimmer friend? Oh, I said a former friend. Oh, Eric, I was Eric like former gentleman caller. I don't um, know. I was gonna say, why is it former? <laughs> Because, you know, sometimes friendships don't work out. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of anger. <laughs> you can see, Erica, I'm not laughing. I get it. I'm okay. laughing. Speaking <laughs> of things that make you angry. <laughs> how did you guys, let's hear it first. Let's hear how an angry reading series was born. How did you two find each other? And I always say, let's, let's hear it first. Like it hasn't been said 20 times. Right now. This, is, this is about how we met. My yeah, I don't oh, know. how we met ever? Yeah. yeah. I, so. I, think, I think a component of anger, which is ennui, had something to do with it, how we met. Well, we have to start at the beginning. So basically, we locked eyes across this crowded room. I wasn't talking to anyone as per is my MO <laughs> at, a, at a party full of people. And I was sat drinking and eating all the free food. And this was for- No, it's not for, it's not for that. We don't say our work on here. Ooh, okay. This is for an organization. We're bleeping that out. This is for an organization Sorry. that won't be named. And this is at an organization which must not be named. And, <laughs> and then here comes this, this beautiful beacon of light with amazing hair Stop. and an amazing <laughs> sense of style that just wanders into the room. And I, and she looked really awkward and I looked at her and I was like, that looks like someone I can bully into being my friend for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's a very romantic retelling of the same story but yeah like it, essentially yeah I mean we locked eyes and I think we also we also have to say that we locked eyes because we were so weirded out by everybody else in the room. we were just like I'm gonna take Ooh. credit I'm gonna take credit for this 
love yeah. coming together because I brought you into that room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True. But True. it's just that room was also, Erica, sorry for this non-decrepit no, this is so Narrative. beautiful. This is so beautiful. Because, like, if you were to ask Katie and I how we met, we're like, I don't know. She was, like, <laughs> there one day. Yeah, but I would say that we had a similar feeling between us that Meher and Chelsea did, as in we are in a room full of people and we are sitting in the back just making snide comments to one another and we found each other funny. And yeah, then a love when, blossomed. <laughs> when, Katie? I don't remember which... We don't remember the exact time. I Chelsea Maher happened to remember the exact date, but yeah, like it's so beautiful. What I really remember is like that when Katie and I like really became friends is when she came up to me at our organization. We're doing a cross event, and she was like, "Oh, hey, like, like we're both on this committee together." And I was like, "Oh, that's right." And then like that's when I was like, like that was when I like really, really met Katie. What event was that? I don't remember this. <laughs> Remember when we did the thing with the funder and like our... Oh yeah, the breakfast thing at like seven in the morning that our bosses woke us up for. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Chelsea Maher, sorry. We got this into our own level. Like, not us. We have a podcast. I don't know why we're interrupting this. <laughs> Honestly, this is probably this is probably more beautiful than than our story, but... You know. No, it's not. <laughs> I I watched you two because I witnessed their love bloom, which was which was great for me. And then I happened one day. I think really when their friendship took a turning point. I'm taking over this part of the story right now, but there was in this same group of people that we were all in that I happened to be managing, and they were participants of. One day, Chelsea and Maher out in the wintry snow, we were having a workshop and they got lost. And I'm using air quotes here. The two were wandering around East Harlem or Central Harlem and got lost in the snow, showed up late after lunch. And then I took this glorious picture, which we will post on our Instagram. And this is the greatest picture ever taken. Can you see that, Erica? Oh, that's beautiful. But Erica, do you know who that other person is? That third person? See the hatred in our eyes. I know who that is. I do know who that other Yeah, we'll have to block out the other person for social media, but it's the greatest picture I've ever taken of anybody. And it's on all of our group chats with all my group chats with Chelsea Maher. This is the this is the profile pic and we will post it. I painted it. I painted yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea made like a it, which is mine. I mean I call dips on it. Whenever I see her, it's fine. You'll get I'm it gonna framed. frame it. But it's it, it honestly, you know, I think about like I mean, sorry, sidetrack here for a minute, but I think about like all of my female friendships that have sustained and all of that have sustained by hating the same things, I think. Like Chelsea and I don't even love the same things, but we definitely hate the same things. And yeah, that's true. what I think, you know, really solidifies that. And it started from like just being in a room and being finding a bunch of people just obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. thinking like... Who the fuck and are we allowed to say? Fu- I mean, I guess I said yeah, it no, already. Like, cool. yeah, who the fuck, fuck and like from <laughs> where the fuck? You know, like who, like what, what? You know. Sorry, uh, Leela. That's my uh, my now fourteen year old cousin who listens occasionally. She says uh, fuck. Yeah, of course she does. She's fourteen. Eight year old says fuck. <laughs> this is more an apology to Yola and well, that, you know, no, the other relatives. Which, by the way, reminds me afterwards. I have a Girl Scout cookie update for you, so we'll connect to that. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, I have a really good Girl Scout story. (laughs) (laughs) 
tell a, it. That's a whole episode. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a whole episode. Girl Scout and like everything about it. Well, it's actually why I hate the Girl Scouts, but yeah. Wait, who here was a Girl Scout? This is a side. So I was for one week. And there's a story behind that. Okay. I was for two years and then I stopped doing it when we moved to a new area because I was like, oh, all the nudie girls are doing Girl Scout and I'm trying to establish something new here. And so I left the Girl Scout because I wanted You were to. like, new year, new me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bye, Girl Scout. You're like, I got a huge bang. I got this velvet outfit. I'm a sexy-ass mofo. I can't be a Girl Scout. This is 1996, y'all. I'm yeah. feeling that. Do you know what? Isn't it so funny, the things that we were like, this is my sexy moment when we were like 11? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I you you think that you think that you've acquired something a fashion item and you think that this is your coming out this is your big bloom (laughs) and you're so excited i remember for me it was like you know how like in india you have school uniforms and you wear school uniforms but then on your birthday you're Mm -hmm. allowed to not wear it you can wear a fun dress and then that's how everybody knows it's your birthday they're like happy birthday on like the holidays and stuff and then the thing is if it's your birthday you dress up and then you also bring chocolates for the all of your classmates and you give them chocolates or whatever and i remember i think it was in third or fourth grade when i'd acquired this like american flag t-shirt on top and i thought oh this is so cool like this when i wear this the entire room is going to lose it. Narrator says they did not lose it. They were fine. <laughs> Wait, hold on, really quick, really quick. Okay, My one was that, so I went to this British store because I lived in England most of my life. I went to this British store and I found this vanilla body spray. And I was like, oh my God, so sexy. Like I bought it with like my pocket money. I like sprayed it all over myself when I got to school and I walked into my science class and I like sat down and I was like, oh my God, like I feel really sensual, blah, blah, blah. And then like this guy lifts his head and sniffs the air and he's like, who smells like custard? (laughs) (laughs) I think custard custard is a nice scent. I think custard's a nice scent. I mean, thank you. Clearly it was, but then I felt really horrified and I really desperately didn't want anyone to realize it was me because everyone was like, yeah, what is that? Who smells like that? I was like... Not me. I feel like I would be like, you want a taste? Like, I feel like my 11, 12-year-old self might have said that out loud. I love that. I wish I wish I was like that. My 11, 12-year-old self was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to burn this bottle of vanilla body spray. <laughs> okay. And never speak of it again. So I'm putting us back in. You two have blossomed this friendship after like, what was it, like a year basically? And then how did the idea for an angry reading series come about? Well, so I went and... Stayed. It was like during the summertime and I went and stayed over at Maher's house at the time she was living in Flushing and I was living at the time, I think actually in the Bronx. So that was a long distance loving relationship, just FYI. <laughs> um, 
So I, um, yeah, and I remember, like, I went, we were kind of talking about this idea. We were very, very hungover. She was walking me back to the subway station after having stayed at her house, which was like an alarmingly long walk. And then, Mahari, you take it away. And then, so I've been thinking of, like, wanting to start a reading series for a while, but I didn't want to do it alone because, like, I get very lazy. And, like, I usually need someone who's, you know, sort of shares a similar ideal. Like, you know, like, Katie, you have it, but whosoever you have it, I guess. Am I, are we supposed to mention that? I don't know. Oh, no, we can talk about Animal Riot. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you have Animal Riot, and then you have the reading series with Devin. And, like, it's yeah. always nice to have it, have things in partnership. And I just felt like by then, Chelsea and I had become so much attuned to each other's sensibility that felt like she was the only person I could trust myself asking. And I was like, hey, do you want to do it? And she was like, yeah. And I wanted to do something because there were so many reading series in New York. I wanted to do something that was very topical. And then I was just like, what do you think of like something thematic, like something angry? Well, and I think real quick, just to insert this for folks who, I mean, Chelsea and Meher and I are all very entrenched in the literary community as well. We're all writers. I think we didn't even say that in the beginning, but <laughs> we're all writers. Shout out, Chelsea just got her first piece in Cosmo. We're going to post that in these photos. Chelsea, want to just quickly say what it's about? So basically, I have a form of a hair loss disorder called alopecia. So I am constantly wearing really beautiful wigs. And something that I noticed in quarantine was that many women were deciding to shave their heads. And this is something that I've always kind of wondered, when is the time I'm going to kind of really just buzz the last of what remains of my hair? And I was really empowered by this movement because I think it's just really awesome that women without outside judgment are really taking their bodies into their own hands. So I decided to interview a bunch of them and write a piece about it. Thank you. And maybe, I mean, that's a whole other episode too, I feel like. And maybe we'll, we'll loop back to that at some point. But I just wanted to say that a reading series for those folks who are not like in the New York literary scene constantly is generally monthly sometimes whenever the hell you feel like it where we get a bunch of writers to come read their work for like a few minutes we do like 10 minutes each six writers and you have a really good time and you get together with the community anyway so that's what we're talking about and I just wanted to preface that but back to you Mahir yeah oh and so I was like do you want to do it something do you want to do something topically something on anger and she was on board and I was like I wonder what we would call an angry reading series and she said why wouldn't we call it an angry reading series I'm like yeah yeah that's it like you know <laughs> why, why even... if you can't tell <laughs> <laughs> it's like why not just and it st sort of started there but we didn't end up doing the first reading until like four months later in like september 2018 and then yeah, we decided to do it in Harlem because at that point I just moved to Harlem and uh, Chelsea was living in the Bronx and it was just like, it was a strategic decision, but it was also like, you know, there's so much stuff that's happening in Brooklyn and like all the time in lower Manhattan and just felt like doing something nice at Harlem uh, and in uptown Manhattan felt like a nice thing and Harlem has such a strong literary culture and all of that culture is rooted in resistance and it just felt like an angry reading series also has its spirit in resistance. So it's sort of, yeah, it came from that. Erica's been with me a couple times mm -hmm. to grill on the hill. Yeah. I've been <laughs> sure. 
I was yes. thinking, I was actually like trying to, I was like, no, I've been to one for sure. Yes. Yeah, I think you have, yeah. Yeah, you definitely been to one, I remember. Yes, I do remember that as well. And also just, I feel like I'm talking slowly because I'm also remembering another series of events that are attacked to that night, which are the reason that I came by myself. But like, that's neither here nor there. And not oh, there. what are those events? It's not, it's just more like, it was it was the beginning of the end of my relationship, but I didn't know it yet. So oh, no. I was like, oh, great, great. And like, well, I went and I'm remembering and I met Katie and Brian there. They went by myself. And why did I go by myself? Oh, because he was doing that thing where he was like tired all the time, but I like, and like he was legitimately tired because he was working two jobs at the same time, but I didn't like that's what that's what my head was doing. That that's mm. why I'm answering very slowly. Like, yes, I went. What happened? That's how my brain. <laughs> but there was That's a lot behind the I went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always remember this story. I was actually having a conversation with my parents earlier yesterday. They didn't remember their anniversary was today. And so we started talking about how I am like the person who remembers everything for the family. And I was like, no, X, Y, and Z happened because then we went to the thing. But then when we went to the thing a year later, this is what happened. And so what I remember is in that moment that you said, and my parents were like, God, you're right, that all happened. So that's how my brain works. But that's not here nor there. We keep straying away from anger. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe, but maybe that's because anger is kind of a tricky subject to talk about. Sure. Mm. Sure. I think it's tough to talk about. I think, to, in all fairness, I do think that also me and Maher have talked about the this story a lot. So that's honestly probably also why, like we, when we used to do our reading series, we used to say this story at the at the beginning every single time. And I think it's probably actually more that we're both worried that people are kind of bored of it at this point. Um, I mean, to be honest, we too are bored of it. Yeah. Wait, so you so you think you're not going to do it anymore? Oh, no, no, not the reading series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just the I just, story at the beginning. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I just think, I mean, off late, I, especially like after Chelsea and I recently did a thing, anger-based, like a workshop thing. And ever since then, I've been thinking about like, I don't have a monopoly on anger. Like what we said at the beginning of this class, right? Everybody at the class, this podcast. And we're getting taught right now. No, it's like like it's every. <laughs> yes, no, just call just call me Meher, guys. Okay, I'm a cool teacher. But call me Miss Meher, so it's fun, but it's respectful. <laughs> no, it's like that, that, that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, you know, we said like because anger is so universal, and everybody has our way of like dealing with it. It just feels like after a point that I feel like neither Chelsea nor I have any monopoly on it. Like we may feel like our anger is very individualistic, but it's really not. And it's why do you say gets, that? Why is it not in why what do you mean by that? I mean that you know whatever like sort of inspires emotion or anger, whether that's the way you're treated, the way your body is treated as a woman, or whether it's just you know class oppression and the way you know capitalism works, or whether it's just whatever happens in a relationship or in a family dynamic like you're like I it's like I I mean to like universe I don't mean to universalize it but I don't mean to hypothesize it into some great thing but like anger is yeah personal and it feels very big in the moment but it's really not like a lot of people are feeling similar 
kinds of anger, I think. But I also feel like that right there is a good example of our tendency to wash away our anger and be like, our anger is not justified because it's universal. Everybody's feeling this way. And so like, it's our, it's our tendency to repress anger because I think, I think all of us have repressed anger for most yeah, of our lives. Absolutely. I agree. I just think that I was just saying that I don't think that either of us have monopoly on the emotion sure. and that like yeah. anger becomes our thing to talk about. Like, you know, maybe it's not, maybe like I, especially I hope that the next time we do this, we really start focusing on like collective anger, because I think that's so important. Like what are communities angry about and what are like groups of people angry about? Because th- those are the kind of things that can stir change and movements, I think. I don't know. But you guys have also cultivated a space where it's okay to be angry. So I think that yeah. gives you some kind of authority in a way. Not authority in maybe the traditional sense we're thinking about, but like you've you've created that. So I think that like you are able to talk about that in a way that most people can't. I you know that actually gives me a really good segue for a question that I wanted to ask. Like what makes you like what makes each of us angry what makes you angry as a person because i feel like there's like you were talking about my hair there's like power and collective anger etc but there are things that make me angry that may not like hit somebody else's radar at all like i get angry i get annoyed i won't say full-blown angry but like for me keeping plans is really important now there are certain people in my head who i'm like i know they might cancel on me so i don't get as angry when it happens because i know that might happen but in general i don't like my because because i i have a lot of friends or i could have stayed home or like whatever and like it's a little thing but canceled plans can Mm -hmm. make me angry and for other people they don't give a crap so like i'm curious like what makes people angry? Of course. Well, I think here's the thing. I think because like, I think I I can kind of understand a little bit of like, especially what Maher is talking about here, because I think for me, it's more like, I don't want it to be kind of a kitschy, like we're like the angry girls. Do you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I think there's kind of a way to lean into that that feels inauthentic. And I think what we always wanted to do was to strive from a place of there are things that are very individual that make people angry. And I think there is also a lot of power of like, there are a lot of things that make us really genuinely angry and it's important to explore them and also honor the ways that they affect other people that it wouldn't me for example right so Mm -hmm. i think there's that and i think that you know i definitely agree like you know absolutely like people you know not honoring plans or you know not respecting certain kinds of boundaries or things that you have can make you angry and i and i and i want to just say like you know even saying like well it makes me annoyed it doesn't make me angry like I think it's so interesting that we kind of backtrack that way because I do it too. It's like, well, I'm not mad. I'm like, you know, disappointed or I'm not mad. I'm upset. Yeah. And I think there's so many ways that we kind of try and translate our anger so that it's digestible for people. And I think that for me, so for example, when I was younger, you know, I was a really fucking angry teenager. And especially like as a young teenage girl, like I got mad about stuff all the time. And sometimes it really wasn't healthy. Like I used to throw drinks in boys' faces all the time for basically no reason, by the way. Oh my like, God, you're a like desperate a, housewife. I love I it. Was, 
I was, I was, I think I watched too much reality TV as like a young child. And I basically like somehow digested that this was the way I could express it. But I think, um, you know, and I remember people would say to me, like, you're kind of being too much would be kind of the insinuation of like, oh, like this isn't that big a deal or like, oh, okay, relax kind of situation when I would be getting heated about something. And it kind of taught me in big and small ways, like, you know, if I'm upset that someone kind of said, you know, something that was a little off or, you know, didn't turn up in a way that I thought they should to, you know, an event or whatever. And it's like, it kind of insinuates that I'm somehow in the wrong for having a feeling and for expressing it in a way that felt correct to me. And, and don't get me wrong, I think there are ways that we have to navigate our own anger so that it doesn't destroy us and it doesn't destroy other people. Because anger can be destructive. So I think it's important to acknowledge that. Like anger in the wrong hands can be a really dangerous thing. Yeah. So it's all about us exploring those individual needs, exploring the individual ways that it does and, and figuring out ways. So just like I did, where I realized I was being way too, you know, OTT, like I shouldn't fucking throw drinks in guys' faces just because I'm mad that they're a man when I'm, you know, 16 years old. <laughs> Can we like popcorn really quick? Like what makes you angry? Like what, what makes you angry? Um, Intolerance on and and on both sides like i actually get mad when i hear people who i know who are more politically aligned with me be completely mm. intolerant of people who have different opinions than us intolerant mm. like it actually upsets me a lot mm. I feel that. I think for me, mediocre men that get rewarded for like basic human decency. (laughs) (laughs) That is the thing that makes me the angriest in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me really mad. (laughs) Still figuring that one out. I get really angry when people and this is impossible because we're all humans and so it's something i struggle with daily but when people limit other people and by that i mean like when people Mm. put other people into boxes and i do it daily like we do it it's our natural tendency to make sense of the world and to make patterns out of things but it also frustrates me to be put in one and also to like like even if i'm like out say like i'm seeing two friends argue to see them both put each other into boxes in like enrages me it like it gets me so angry and i'm just like can't you like sit here and like see things from their side but like i know i do it too so it's like a it's a constant internal battle just to like not see humans as fully complex and complicated and broken things that are just like Mm -hmm. trying to make sense of the world I don't know. I guess because, like, I feel like that constantly. So I want people to see me that way. So, of course, I totally agree. I agree with both of you. Mahara, what, what are you listening to you right now? You know, I'm I'm thinking about this, and I'm just like, there's so much on like, leaving New York. <laughs> no, not really. Actually, I I read them all, and I found a few mildly annoying, but you know, I like. Like an article wouldn't like piss me off so much, you know, to be very honest. And, but there are a lot of things that do piss me off, but I don't think anything really pushes me to the depths of anger, like gross, gross. I don't know why I said gross. It's probably the white. It's like gross, like, 
I, I think political ineptitude i don't know i just like it makes me I, I don't think anything enrages me as much as politics does i get very like it, it really like affects my mental health and it really like fucks me up and it really distract me from my work and it really fuck my head up and i hate it and i don't want to be that person like i got into a it wasn't even an argument. I think he took it personally with a friend about it also like a week and a half ago. And I didn't even apologize because I'm just like, well, it's just like, I, I, I don't know why. Like sometimes I wish I didn't. I feel like people who can engage with politics in an intellectual way and then disengage, I think are, are having a really good time. Mm-hmm. And I think that because I get overtly involved and I just like, like it, it like if, if I wake up in the morning and I hear a piece of political news, like it can make or break my day. Like I'm done, you know, like I'm, that's what I'm carrying. That's like a weight I'm carrying on my shoulders. So yeah, like I had a tantrum just this afternoon. I got really fucking pissed off and I got pissed off like yesterday and I get pissed off very, you know, there's an essay coming up <laughs> that I wrote about where my anger comes from. Uh, a hint, it's my father, but like it, it's this whole like- where, Where's it coming out from? Uh, Peach magazine, I believe in the first week of May. And it's called On Anger and Becoming My Father's Daughter. And and, and I, I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to look at my anger as more as like, yeah, because like, of course, like as a woman, you repress and as a woman, as a woman, as an Indian person who's Indian person, as an Indian woman who's in the US right now, you often like level your anger in public situations because you don't want to be seen as a specific stereotype. You don't want to be seen as someone. You sometimes don't know if something warrants a response or something doesn't. But I don't think any but any anything fucks me up as much as like politics do. Well, and yeah, I don't know. It's funny because all those things kind of intersect, right? Yeah. Politics mediocre man hashtag mediocre white man is really what we need you know being put in a box intolerant like they all actually all of those things actually kind of intersect each other because i think like i feel like everything that everyone said i'm like yeah that pisses me off too and the thing that i said is actually kind of why that pisses me off like what pisses me off most in politics is like intolerance and people trying to put someone in a box and not understanding the full spectrum of humanity. Like that's what pisses me off. And so like, it's interesting that all of our stuff kind of overlaid each other. (laughs) I mean, because like, that's the thing, right? Like the personal is political. Everything is political, right? Like every single thing that we talk about, whether that's, you know, mediocre whiteness or whether that's, you know, whether that's intolerance, whether that's, you know, whether like freedom of speech should be absolute and everything becomes a political issue. Like what can you say and get away with in front of me? And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I was thinking when we first started talking and then we, we started talking about wine thing, wine time <laughs> and, but now I'm coming back to is so like a thing that I've been working on in therapy in the last several weeks has been a lot of my anger that my therapist was like, you're, you know, you're repressing your anger. And like, it's a thing that we've really been working on for like a year, but like really going very intensely in the last few weeks. And actually in the last year, I've been very angry at my therapist and haven't shown it. And only in the last few weeks have I started to really voice that and like actually make some progress by telling her that I'm angry with her. 
but like in my, the same as Chelsea in my teens. And I think in early twenties, like I was a very angry person, but convincing myself that I wasn't. And then got to a point where I so convinced myself that I was bad because I was angry that I spent the latter half of my twenties and into my thirties convincing myself I wasn't angry and whatever anger I felt like repressed very quickly. And so now I'm to the point where I'm like, well, actually, okay. I thought I was doing something good for myself by like not allowing myself to be angry. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, that actually screwed me up in a lot of ways by not like living my anger in some way. And and again, it's like what you do with it, right? Like I talked to my kids this week about like, what do you do after using an exercise from you, you two, Chelsea and Mahair, that I brought to my students by talking about like what, why we should talk about our anger, but it's what you do with it that that is quote unquote, good or bad and and good and bad are constructs, right? But Mm. like talking about it, it's just another emotion, right? It's not a good, anger itself isn't a good or a bad thing. It's just another emotion that we feel. And so that's been something I'm struggling with. I mean, it is. Oh, go ahead, Mehir. I I just thought it is a reactive emotion, right? Like we, I think we place so much emphasis on anger that we don't often place emphasis on the context. This is not to say that all anger is justified, right? Like we definitely talk about the dangers of male rage and how that can manifest, uh, that can trigger trauma for someone or that can even manifest in like physical violence. And we talk about those degrees, but even that comes from entitlement and that entitlement comes from patriarchy. That's always a context within which anger comes from. And while that context doesn't justify anger, it definitely helps us understand what makes us angry and like you know anger is not anger is always within a context it's not justified by the context but i think we are better able to understand why we feel the way way we feel within the larger political context right like erica was saying like everything is intertwined and uh i don't know it just doesn't feel very buzzwordy to me anymore because now things feel real but like I know people dying and like just the failures of the system in complete view mm-hmm. feels a lot more personal. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know what frustrates me? Like when you voice your, like what I have learned, I used to never talk about when I was angry or upset or struggling. I used to like just keep that to myself. But sometimes now when I talk about it, people are uncomfortable with what I'm voicing. People might say you're spiraling, but I don't feel like I'm spiraling. I feel like I'm just talking through something. Or people might be like, oh, you're really going through it. And you're like, well, no, I'm just being a human being. And so it's sometimes the thing that I sort of struggle with, like what's the balance between like being open with like my closest friends and et cetera about like, hey, I'm, I'm actually struggling right now versus like, oh, maybe I should go take care of that myself because I totally believe in therapy but I also believe that there's some things you probably just talk about with your friends and like not Mm -hmm. pay you know two hundred dollars to talk about so like what like I'm curious on people's thoughts about like what is the balance between that like when you're working out your anger because I let myself feel more than I ever did before in terms of anger and sadness. And that has been the struggle for me over the past year, actually letting myself feel it. And I used to never let myself feel it. But like, then there's like, people either can't talk about it, like you're talking to them about it, 
and you're realizing, oh, you can't talk about this with me. Or like in almost a, like in a way where they're almost protecting themselves. And I recognize it because I've done it myself before. I have protected myself from somebody else's anger, depression, sadness. I have protected myself so that I don't get sucked into it because I'm an empathetic person that I didn't realize that about myself, but now I know that I'm an empath and that's why I shut down sometimes when someone's talking to me with the balance and all that. So I'm wondering like what thoughts people have around that because that's something that I've been trying to grow on a lot. I actually really a lot to what you're saying because I also am quite a huge like empath. I think that it's interesting because I think it's, it's funny. I was almost like triggered by when you were like, oh, you're spiraling when, you know, people you told about your anger were saying that because I was like, no, that's like not the right thing to say. And look here, I'm not here. Like we just said, there's no right or wrongs in reaction and communication on that level. But I think it's so interesting because we don't want, you know, people we care about to be angry. I think that's where that comes from, right? We don't want them to be upset. We don't want them to be angry. So sometimes I think we kind of almost, I think without meaning to, and with the best of intentions, we can gaslight people a lot because we can kind of to say almost like, okay, it's not as bad as you think, or it's not this. And it's like, but you know, unfortunately, if it feels that way, it feels that way. And, and here's the thing about anger. It's not linear. It's not like this bad thing happened. Now I feel bad. It's like this bad thing happened. And it reminded me of a whole map of a bunch of other bad things that happened and reminded me of a time I felt that way. And so it's not just, Oh, this one situation isn't that bad. It's all the other things that you're then carrying with you and in your heart in that moment and it can be really hard to navigate that and I think the reality of that is is that it is a learning curve and it's a it's a learning curve that never stops (laughs) because I think you know even the most mentally sound person that probably exists on this planet if you meet him let me know uh, you know is probably going to have a moment where (laughs) they have like a really angry moment and and this whole other bullshit's going to get brought up and there's no such thing that exists of a person that doesn't feel it we all do and i think i wish that people could really learn to kind of just respect what someone's saying and really listen and not kind of try and fix their anger because only you can figure out how you're going to do things but you can be a person that says, I hear you and I can do my best to understand um, and to take it in. And I'm not saying all of us are going to do this all the time. I, I've definitely been in that situation too, probably even recently where, you know, I've had people coming to me about, you know, the pandemic and I've just thought, I, I just literally can't engage with this right now, you know, and it's really hard because you always want to be there for other people that you care about. And sometimes you can't, but it's just about all of us always trying to, to continue to be open to learning about ourselves and others, I guess, with that. I don't know. That's probably not a helpful. No, it is. I like the the idea of a map too. Just Mm -hmm. saying the word map actually gave me an idea for it. A a lesson plan (laughs) of creating like a map of your anger. Cause that's really true, right? Like it brings up like all these other things. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really like, 
really deeply linked with being a bad person. So once I get angry at something, all these other things crop up and immediately that feeling of like, I'm a terrible person comes along with it. So that's really interesting to like sit there and like actually map out your anger and find out, I don't know, like, I don't even know what to find out, but just like that idea of that exploration sounds interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that to me because I feel like I get angry because I'm like, I am a good person. I work so hard to be a good person. Why is this happening to me? Like, and so like as far as like what the antithesis that makes you angry it can it can bring up a lot of other things and I think that's kind of the thing that like I've really been trying to grow on is recognizing my trigger reaction to this moment actually has to do with five other things that have happened to me and some of them have to do with like a specific incident some of them have to do with the fact that i am black some of them have to do with the fact that i'm a woman <laughs> like some of it have to do with the fact that i come from a military family like there's like a list of things i may be reacting to and to figure it out i like to talk to people and what i realized is that for so long what i learned the night of the 2016 election is i am the one who everybody reaches out to when they're freaking out. So I am the strong friend. So when I'm, I feel like I have less leeway not to be strong and I've been playing with that. And that's been hard sometimes because I can actually see people reacting to the fact that I'm not being strong right now. And they're like, oh God, oh God, what do we do about this? Mm-hmm. And so that was really helpful, Chelsea. That was, that was really helpful. Well, no, and I, I can totally see that because I think it's the, it's kind of the, the weird kind of badge that I think a lot of the strong friends, as you say, kind of have to almost wear as a burden is like, you kind of have to be the barometer for like all the bullshit of the world. <laughs> and that's not okay because you're a human being, you're not a fucking barometer. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to feel your things as well, even if Perhaps there have been times in the past where you have, you know, maybe not as much outwardly burdened other people, for example, like with your own kind of perceptions or feelings or concerns or, or feeling or fear. And I, I think it's an unfortunate thing that sometimes people really can't recognize when they're viewing someone that way because I don't I don't always think that's intentional and I think it's almost like we're we're always kind of looking for that mom outside of the mom we had you know what I mean in some ways like we we kind of are like oh this person makes me feel safe and they make me feel like everything's okay Mm. yeah that's so funny that you say mom because I've had friends and people I've dated (laughs) be like you're such a mom like that Mm. and like the burden of like what it means to like quote unquote the burden of what it means to be a mom and some mm-hmm. people i feel like it probably was that i say the thing like i can't imagine myself never being someone's mother probably because i've been so many people's mother that i can't mm-hmm. imagine myself never actually becoming a mother <laughs> yeah well and you probably understand the responsibility of that better than a lot of people. uh-oh Chelsea cut out. This is the fun of recording a podcast in quarantine. Sorry. (laughs) 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 
your thought, what your, I'm your hair takes another swig of her wine. Yeah, she's just like, fuck Joe Biden. <laughs> That's what my hair is mad about right now. <laughs> about Joe Biden? My, actually, I was going to ask a question because we are getting into an hour. So maybe, maybe this will be your answer, but I was going to be like, what have you been angry about in quarantine? Aside from like the, you know, quarantine, but like, I don't know. What's something, what's the most recent thing you've been angry about and how did you deal with it? I don't, I don't know. Like I honestly, the quarantine doesn't even make me so mad. Like being shut down at home doesn't make me so mad. It's everything else that makes me mad. It's, you know, the lack of like universal healthcare, the lack of like, you know, wages for hourly workers and like people, the working class. And that those are the stuff that make me angry. Like being at home, heck, like with a partner and a cat, like it's fun. And t- television and internet, I have no complaints. But it's this, and then there's this other thing because like in India especially, the pandemic is not just being handled really poorly, but like a bunch of intellectuals and left-leaning activists are being booked under this very arbitrary law and they're being put in prison even during the pandemic as the pandemic is happening so not only has the pandemic been intensely communalized into a hindu muslim issue but there's also this other thing so that stuff makes me angry every fucking day like i wake up thinking i want to just one day i want to wake up with like selective memory and i want to forget that these things are happening and i just want to have like a nice day because i feel like like I feel like in any day if I get a good news because of a publication or any other thing about my career it just like it doesn't do anything and it's just that I feel like there is like I could be smiling during the day I could be watching something nice on tv I could be having Mm -hmm. a laugh but there's always like this little thing that's in the back of my head that's making me fucking pissed off yeah and I'm dealing with it by drinking alcohol every evening I didn't used to do it I wasn't this person so (laughs) I wasn't this person I am straight up like the other day when I was making lunch and you know I opened the refrigerator and I see like Modelo right there and I'm just like that's not what I opened the refrigerator for but I look at it I see it I see you (laughs) no I didn't get it I didn't get it I'm trying to be I'm trying to be a good girl I'm trying to wait until at least sunset or at least like 5 p.m. But I, yeah, I've not been very good. It's interesting. That makes me angry. Plus, being a leader in my field, the amount of responsibility I carry right now. It just, because it's so much harder because of all those things. Yeah. yeah. Everything that I, I feel like that's what makes, like, I'm like, so I have to make some certain decisions based on the fact that all those things exist. And that's what makes me, that I feel like if I were to think about what makes me angry now and what makes me angry in quarantine, if you're right, to me, it's like, it's not the quarantine itself. It's all those other things that yeah. make this so much harder on me. No, I can't even imagine, like, I mean, you wake up and you think, like, everybody's like, oh, I can work from home in my jammies. And all of that is great. Nobody's complaining about it. That you can fix fresh lunch every day instead of doing, like, refrigerator. Like, that's nice. But then you have, like, people emailing you or just, like, you hear the news and just, like, there's this whole world happening. Yeah, it's fucking frustrating. How about Chelsea, Katie? I don't think there's any kind of one thing that's making me really mad right now. I think I'm kind of, I'm probably more like 
kind of depressed. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to say it like that, but I feel like for me right now, in fact, it's, it's not really a lot of anger. It's actually more just like a kind of feeling of like, I don't know, this kind of weird groundhog day kind of depression, <laughs> mm. kind of like every day yeah. sort of feels the same. And I don't know when this is going to end. And I think obviously there is like this kind of, you know, outer layer of like, you know, everything's fucked up. Our world is fucked up. And that's why this has become so terrible. And, you know, all those things. But I think how they're kind of manifesting for me currently is kind of just feeling like just really fucking sad sometimes. I don't know. I think I'm finding that side of my anger kind of hard to engage with currently, actually, I guess is probably what I'm saying. Because I think if I do, I'm not sure how to channel it in a way that um, I'll find healthy for myself or, you know, my partner who I live with or anyone else. So I think I'm kind of trying to really throw myself into projects that are giving me uh, a schedule, but also giving me happiness. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's what I'm kind of doing right now. Yeah, I, it's, it's again, yeah. When I said quarantine, right. Like being in our homes and being alone or whatever is not the issue. It's everything else around it that we're having to deal with. And that's, that's kind of what I mean by just summing up and saying quarantine. Like I, I went in to isolation for like totally alone for a reason. And I've felt those reasons. Like I wanted to like, I was like, well, if there was ever an opportunity to like be totally alone and have to like deal with my own shit, now is the time. And like, I found myself at certain moments being like, why can't you get over this thing? Cause there were, there are many external things in my life that I was angry about prior to the outbreak. And I'm having this like difficult battle with myself where I'm like, why can't you get over these things? But it's like, go like feeling that is part of the process. And, and I'm still struggling with that, like capitalistic thing within me where I like, I need to be productive and working through this and getting over this emotion and becoming a better person because of it. But it's like that not, not feeling totally that is part of the process. It's this weird balance. I would say the, the only way that I've like like I, I do like meditation and breathing exercises and journaling and all these things. But I think the best thing is that I'm writing a really angry novel right now and like letting myself loose in that novel is, has been the most freeing thing I think in quarantine. Yeah. All of that felt very cryptic when I said it, but it made sense in my head. And my, as my therapist would say, does it make sense to you? And it does. So that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Uh, and it makes total sense to me too. And I think this is like, exactly. I think all of us are kind of trying to contain like, what did we feel angry about? And it's hard because, you know, like we just said, this isn't fucking linear. Like we all feel angry about lots of different things at once and they're all manifesting in really different ways. I, I also think about how days are like sort of bleeding into each other and issues are bleeding into each other too. Like you yeah. don't get enough time to be angry about one specific thing that like somebody did in like public before they do another even worse thing. And you haven't forgiven them for the thing they did first. Like, you know, when we talk about like 
just politics at large. Like we haven't forgiven like President Trump for saying anything that he said in 2016, but there's so many things after that. And like you feel a collective sense of anger. And I, you know, it just feels like you never get to have, you never get to just be like, can you stop doing something so I can just process my anger and just like figure out what, you know, how to best capture it. But yeah, there isn't like, yeah, like Chelsea said, it isn't linear, but we're angry all of the time. And our one anger, you know, feeds the other kind of anger and it's just a whole ball of anger. And I just, yeah. I, I, though I do have to say, I do feel like Erica sometimes, like I'm a great person and none of these things should happen to me. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. It's totally, I think we all feel that way. Fuck it. Like why do bad things happen to good people? Like this yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. it. It's so hard to be a good person. <laughs> you know how many terrible things I'm not saying or doing that I thought about and yet bad things still happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like everything like my politics are pro people i am pro people like why why, why do people hate me yeah. <laughs> like i want i want you to live why do you hate me Just i mean because... i literally said to one of my friends in tech yesterday i was like i know i've been alone for too long because like where my head is right now is this, i'm just yesterday i was like be, I, I am I am single and living alone in quarantine. And I was like, why does nobody love me? <laughs> I was like, where? And I was like, well, why do people care about you? And they probably love you, and they still don't want to be with you. I was like, I was going down mm-hmm. and like, I love you. And it's someone who's been my friend for 20 years. <laughs> and she was like, I love you. And I was like, I know you do. I know people love me. But on day 45 of quarantine, that's the question I'm asking myself. Well, definitely coming to the end. I did say, Erica, last week that I had a game, but honestly, I didn't prepare for it. So I can't, we can't play it. I'm sorry. <gasps> what was the game? I was going to compile a list of everyone's pet peeves that I know of and see if you guys could guess them. Could you do some off the top of your head? Well, we could just do like a would you rather with pet peeves. Or like a fuck Mary kill with pet peeves. <laughs> oh. I, like, I, I think it might be fun just to do a fuck Mary kill, period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do fuck Mary kill. All right. Here here's here are three things to be angry about that you guys can choose. Donald Trump. It's gotta be there. And we all know what it's gonna be. But I'm gonna put Mike Pence and the healthcare system into one. Oh my god. Trump, Mike- and then I'm gonna put an ex-boyfriend. Go. Wait, I need. Mean, I'm. I'm unclear to both. So no, it has to be three. There, there, Katie, there, have you ever no, played fucking? Yes, I just. No, I just said three things. I said Donald Trump. I said Mike Pence and the healthcare system are one. I'm putting them. Together. Oh, they're one. Yeah. What? No. Yeah, because oh, oh, I'm not sorry. gonna be a throuple. You gotta pick one. <laughs> Mike Pence and his and his leadership on the on the on the COVID nineteen breakout. We'll sure. we'll just put that, okay. and then three any ex-boyfriend of yours or ex-partner ex-partner of yours i'm horrified by all of it I know, repeat that. donald trump mike pence and the and the outbreak like, i don't want to marry any of those and an ex-partner i, don't- I would fuck an ex-boyfriend right 
Yeah. And I would make sure that Mike Pence's handling of COVID-19, make sure that he gets COVID-19 and he passes it on to Donald Trump so they both die. And so I here's don't the thing. have to do I anything. I think I would marry Mike Pence so that he could get COVID-19 and then die and then I would get wow, like this all of just his went money. to a totally dark place. <laughs> and then somebody else, somebody else pick three things. I'm like thinking of, oh God. Okay. 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 Here's the thing. Wait, 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 I was thinking of marrying Mike Pence so that I could nag him and convince him to do this correctly. You thought of it nicely. I'm and sorry. Then <laughs> and then kill Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. There we go. Okay. Okay. Look at this. Fuck, marry, kill. Neoliberalism. I'm oh. I feel like I am a neoliberal, but continue. <laughs> I think I am when I really think about it. Oh. Okay. Anyway, I have things to say about that. But... Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast, Erica. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> Number two, uh, like social justice, feminism type. Well, are you, are you, okay, but are you like, those are like the same things? No, they're not. Neoliberalism is like the consumer culture, right? Social justice feminism like takes advantage of neoliberalism, but like, it's a whole different thing. Like, you know, I think so. These are very heady fuck, Mary kills, by the way. Yeah, social justice feminism. And the third one is being a Democrat. Fuck, Mary kill. But that's the thing. To me, neoliberalism and being a central Democrat. Yeah, are, they're kind of interchangeable. They're kind of interchangeable, but you're also like still a political figure, right? I'm thinking of the third one as more entrenched in politics than in money. Can you think of three stand-in people for those three categories, maybe? Well, you've got Erica for neoliberalism. Okay, no. okay. so 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 more so, eccentric so. than a neoliberal, but I think it's the same thing. So 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 social justice feminism is definitely Lauren Duca. Okay, and yeah, then good. centrist centrist Democrat is like I don't know Nancy Pelosi or someone. I don't know Chuck Schumer, one of the two. Nancy Pelosi, I guess. And neoliberalism, I am thinking like. You say Hillary Clinton, I'm a Mary Hillary Clinton. Like that's not- <laughs> <laughs> or are we saying Hillary Clinton, Lauren Duca, Nancy Pelosi? Yeah, yeah. Let's make it an all woman edition. Let's do it. I would marry Hillary Clinton. Well, wait, hold on. Let me. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would marry Hillary Clinton. I would fuck Nancy Pelosi, and then I would, I, I guess, Lauren Duke. I would go because, like, I have no other object. Really, there are two people who I would fuck, or two people I would marry. Like, that's really yeah. I feel like these are pretty interchangeable for me. I mean, Lauren Duke is a little hot. So I would fuck. Her. I would fuck Lauren. Duke. <laughs> well, now like, we're t- now we're talking about looks, but we were talking about like. <laughs> I don't know, idealism behind okay, them. Okay, her ideals. I'm sorry, I'm fucking I mean, her ideals. Okay. I mean, idealistically, I hate all of them, right? Yeah. So I am just, like, trying to level here. No, to me, Nancy Pelosi is fucked because when she, like, teared up that speech, I'm like, ooh, girl, you getting sassy right now. Ah, she's like that little spice. <laughs> she's so problematic, but you getting sassy. Just like everybody else, I, all the men I've ever been into are problematic, too. So it's just whatever at this point. Mm. And I'm like, this like, feels comfortable. I feel like I could really relax with you. I'm not issued with you, but I'm still into you. This feels like my actual love life. Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea or Erica, you got one? Fuck, Mary, kill? 
You sure. go. I'm going to do a non-political one. I'm going to do a fun one. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My hurry, you tried. <laughs> I'm not very good at this game. I, I, not very fun. <laughs> I did the same thing with hair. I, so. I, know, I know nobody asked me, but I would kill Pelosi and then I would like, whatever. Whatever I have to do Fair with enough. the other two. Ooh, ooh, okay. Fuck, Mary kill. Rosé, white, red. Kill red, marry white, fuck rosé. Uh, fuck rosé, marry red, kill white. Yeah, for sure. Chelsea? One night stand with rosé. Yeah, basically. <laughs> We're on the same that. Fuck. I'm a marry rosé. I'm a marry rosé. Yeah, I would marry Rose, fuck white, kill red. I think I would probably marry white. I would fuck Rose and I would kill red. Can we say how racist it sounds to say I would marry white? <laughs> <laughs> I said the same thing. I, I'd like to note that I did not say that I would marry white, which I feel like is But you really- said you'd fuck white. So, you know, it doesn't sound I mean, any better. Said I, kill white. I said I would kill white. So that, doesn't, kill... that doesn't sound any better either. I'm on the right bad. side of history. I'm on the right side of history. That's all. Is I it? Say. It just all sounds bad. Was it Katie said me the other day about like women loving mediocre white men over six feet. And I was like, oh, do you have your three, Chelsea? I think Fuck Mary Kill is an appropriate game for a a podcast about anger. I love fuck Mary Kill. Okay. Okay, fuck Mary Kill, a person <laughs> who is really hot but never makes you come. A person who will cook you dinner every night but never fucking remembers like your birthday anniversary, etc. Okay, and then the third person, okay, is someone who is like Okay, I support equal rights, but like I'm not a feminist. Okay, so it's somebody who's hot but doesn't make you come, mm-hmm. somebody who cooks you dinner every night but doesn't remember your birthday, and then somebody who what? Who is like, oh, I support women, but I'm not a feminist. <laughs> but I'm not a feminist. Oh, that's a tough one. I think marry the guy that cooks but never remembers my birthday. That's mine. Yeah. Fuck <coughs> the guy. Ooh, Sorry. that's hard. Does the guy who I support feminism, but I'm not a feminist, does he, can he bring you to orgasm? Hmm. Maybe. That's the chance you gotta take. Okay, well, I'm gonna go for that versus the guy who can't at all. Like, the hot guy can just die. So, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. yeah, I agree. The hot guy has to die. The hot guy dies. All right. Clearly. That's the name of this episode. The hot guy dies. I feel like I'm the same as you, Katie. Yeah, I'm the same. same. I feel like, you know, I've been in a relationship with a guy who cooks but doesn't remember anything else. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) I can do that again. (laughs) Hey, you can't, you can't, there's, you know, you can't underestimate a good meal. Yeah, exactly. Nobody said it was good, though. They just said they cooked. Oh. Well, if you can't cook, then it's bad. But if you can cook, I think then you know what you're doing. So I think it automatically assumes that they're a good cook. So that's what I'm going on. Yeah, definitely kill the guy who can't give you an orgasm, though. What's he doing? What's his purpose in this world? Yeah, he's just hot. Like, that's stupid. That's not going to last long. That's a waste, actually. 
Yeah. My hair. I agree with you. I just like barfed out like half a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a really good note to end on. That's how we want to leave all of our podcasts is that we just barfed out a glass of wine. But I want to thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts about anger with us. I promise like the next podcast, I'm not that you guys come on. I'm not going to make you talk about anger anymore. I know that you've done it for me. This is the second time now. So by the way, sorry, I hope it doesn't sound like we're like, we don't want to talk about it. I think it's just because especially like right now, I think both of us are kind of reactualizing what that means. So yeah. I think it's also a little bit of that, that we're kind of like, sure, we're kind of rebrand, rebranding, yeah. but not rebranding. Does that make sense? Like, sure. Yeah. Just as people are, I mean, you're like your anger takes shape. Of course, like it's only natural that you guys would like revisit yeah. the, and reflect on the process and, and grow from it. So same people, but decentering the anger. Yeah. Hmm. Or re reimagining the space for it. Hmm. Well, I want to definitely encourage everyone's listening to go check out Chelsea and Meher's own personal writing because they are fucking brilliant writers. We didn't even talk about that on this episode. Meher's got an essay coming out next week. I'm dating this podcast. We're going to hope to get it out within the next week. And Chelsea just had an essay come out in Cosmo. Shout out. So uh, go check them out and we'll, we'll post links to their stuff in our in our podcast posts. Anything else? Did I miss anything? Erica? Um, just no. that we, we love all you guys. Alright, babes. Yeah, thank y'all for joining us. Uh, join us for the next episode of Rose Day All Day Anyways. Anyways. Did I get it right? Anyways, so like, uh, anyways, anyways, I'm going to get it. We have a new theme song. New theme song. It's a whole thing. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Stay safe out there and stay the fuck at home. Bye. Bye, babes. Bye.